Hey everybody, it's the Con Artist. We're back for the end of season discussion where we talk all about the shows we were watching and whether or not you should watch them. Huzzah! Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so uh, I want to start with Violet Evergarden. So I was pretty excited for this show. I saw the PV of it and I wanted to like it, but I will say I think those of us who did watch it, we had a little bit of a hang up because to me it looked a lot like... um, the, the witch show we watched before. Oh, uh, is that like, the last witch? Is that the last witch? And I was like, oh no. I was so excited for that too. So anyway, um, surprisingly enough, I really liked this show. Uh, I think, first of all, it looks stunning. I mean, KyoAnnie never disappoints and this is no exception. It does look show, really good. Oh my goodness. The show looks amazing. Um, I think really the only thing I have to say about it is that... Uh, it was at its best when it was just telling little vignettes about the lead character, Violet, like trying to explore her emotions by meeting other people and writing the letters. I think it was at its worst when it tried to wrap the Civil War plot or any war plot aside from the flashback in. I think these were the weakest moments in the show for me personally. Uh, just watching Violet's character growth was pretty great. And I also wish that all the other characters had a little more relevance. Hmm. Uh, it it did. It was very rapidly the Violet show, and we had that one sort of teaser episode with another doll, Iris, and I thought we were going to get sort of the character-driven episodes for more people, and it ended up just being the super-duper Violet show, which wasn't so bad, but I think you should really give the show a try, and you're going to find vignettes you like and vignettes you just can't stand. So that was my take on it. I liked it. I would give it a try, and it's playing on Netflix right now, so... Mm, nice, Go nice. for it. I'm generally in agreement with all of those points. I enjoyed the uh, little moments like that, but I really, I could not get invested in Violet as a character. I felt there was no reason for her to be some kind of child super soldier, reasoning for which is never adequately explained. Why does she have cyborg arms? No one else has cyborg arms. Why does this keep coming up? But the rest of it, you know, the actual individual stories were pretty nice. And yeah. Beautiful production values throughout the whole thing. Very nice music. Hmm. Yeah, so it's, I guess in some contrast to the Dan, I did, like, I thought her character arc, like, it, it did start very slow. But eventually, like, it really picked up speed as the show went along. And I felt like we did get to see her grow uh, to a good degree. So I appreciate that. Uh, like you said, the individual vignettes are, are often pretty strong. Like, there's actually some pretty emotional scenes in some of those vignettes, which... Uh, I really appreciated. And the world setting was neat. I agree mm. the Civil War thing was kind of hard to wrap in, but overall the world was interesting to for them to, to live in. Uh, in terms of like the negatives, uh, other than what you guys have said, I feel like it over-relied on sort of certain things. Like, like for instance, Violet removes her gloves. Gotta be like once an episode, and the person looking at her is always shocked, which, granted, it makes sense. She's got cyborg arms, but they use this sort of exact same scene every episode and i was like well you guys could probably have it like probably we try to rely on something else mm -hmm. uh but overall yeah there's i would recommend the show it's probably i don't know i'd put it like maybe maybe second place this season like it's pretty up there yeah i liked it a lot more than i thought i was going to like it and yes scott there were some episodes where you know the the tissue box came out a little bit i was like bit. oh wow this bit. is really this is really well written so i i would give it a try all right, what do we got next? Uh, I guess, oh, Hakame and Michiki. Uh, so this is kind of, as far as I could, like, kind of 
came out of nowhere like i hadn't heard of it uh, and i was like i'll i'll try this out and man delightful if i had Absolutely. to give the one word review it would be delightful a uh, slice of life with fun interesting characters and a pretty cool world like they're basically small people living in, in a full size like their trees and stuff are full size and they're tiny and uh but there's also and like all this other weird size. stuff like percussion based necromancy that just okay sure that's a thing why not? That's the most helpful necromancer I have ever seen. She's great. Uh, I feel like I keep cutting you off, friend. What were you saying? Oh, and full-size animals. Yeah, full-size animals, too. So, like, humans are the only things. Or humans and other sort of intelligent talking creatures are the only sort of small critters. Uh, so I would say the show's feel is mostly soft. But there are a few, like, dramatic, poignant, or dangerous situations kind of lightly sprinkled throughout it. Uh, I could easily watch another whole season of this show. I mean, it's it's not like each... There's no overarching plot. It's all kind of slice of life. And this is probably my favorite show of the season. I don't know about uh, you, Brennan, or Dan. I I think I would agree. Same. All told. Yeah, it's just, it was the show that I looked forward to watching the most. I was yeah. never, you know. And it's also nice because each episode is broken up into, like, two other, like, smaller stories, which sometimes have, like, a continuous thread through them, but generally are, you know, totally separate. And it just keeps it keeps everything fresh. No one they don't try to stretch one plot thread out for an entire like episode's worth of running time because these are little stories. Yeah. Yuck it, yuck yuck. As is fitting with the title, yeah, Tiny Life in the Woods. Nice. Exactly. Nice. Uh what else? Oh and I also liked sort of the uh I guess I'll call it the craftsmanship around the episodes. Like every ending theme song. Oh yeah. Uh, the characters like are sort of in silhouette walking and they walk by a whole bunch of stuff relevant to what happened that episode. And in the background, they have like these sort of hand sketches and text explaining some other aspect of the world that may or may not have been relevant to the plot that episode, but still helps to fill out the world. So I actually watch the ending theme song every time just to get a little bit extra. So like good work. Oh, yeah, that was one of my favorite parts. And the fact that the ending theme song is catchy as hell. Oh, yeah. Dan thinking a J-pop song is catchy? I'm going to I'm gonna need a minute. We're going to have to pause so that I can go outside and breathe into a paper bag. Hold on. <laughs> this one was endearing. And I mean, That's come on, great. look at them. They're adorable. Everything about it they was They do awesome. look so cute. They're adorable. But it's like they don't rely on it just being cute. It's more like be, it's more like the cuteness is like a side effect of the whole situation. Hmm. Anyway, I like I like the hats had this theme going on. Like everybody had a hat that had a very slightly different symbol on the front of it, but it was just like shaped the same and had the little tassels coming. Yeah, those little yeah. hat tassels. I noticed. I'm like, huh? It must be like the thing in this world. You got to have a hat tassel. Mm-hmm. So what comes up next after that? I guess. Looking into, you know, more of the slice of life kind of laid back stuff, uh, Brennan, I know that you were the one who followed Yuru Camp. How was that? It was good. Like, uh, again, not not as, like, good overall as Hakabe Bakochi because of, like, the whole world-building aspect of that. But, um, and uh, I feel like a lot of Yuru Camp was advertainment. You remember that we were watching that uh, a couple of seasons ago. We were watching that show that was made by like an actual like prefecture's tourist department. Oh yeah, or produced Cheer by fruits, it. the Cheer dark fruits. horse of the season. Mm. Uh, no, bef uh, no, even before the that, like Udon World. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was the one. Poco's oh, Udon. Oh yeah, Udon yeah. World? It's like come to the countryside. Please stop your tech job. You want to work in the countryside. We desperately need people. We need taxpayers. Help us. 
Right. So this one was sort of like, here's a bunch of campsites around the Tokyo area. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to you know, stop by, you know, pay a little bit of a fee, you get some firewood, and we kind of leave you alone. <laughs> Come on by. So it's, so it's not like just mountain climbing. It's just sort of different campsites. Right. Like you don't climb anything, really. That's encouragement of climb, which is a different show. This yeah. is just sort of like you uh, you get there however you get there. Like one of the girls has a moped and one of the girls just gets driven around by her sister everywhere. And, uh, you know, you, they just sort of camp in, I guess. Huh. Now, Brendan, cool. really quick, this show was not one of those like school clubs the girls doing stuff right this was like the uh, one girl finds the other was. girl camp oh okay i was gonna ask if that made it slightly better to not be locked into that like we're a school club doing stuff gotta get five members mm. uh and i don't remember if they actually got the five members off the top of my head hmm. like one of the jokes in it was that they have a basically a closet as their club room because they've only got two members at the start of the show it's just this really long, thin room that it's a little bit longer than the one from, um, oh, Blast, Yuyushki. But it didn't have any like computers in it. It was just shelves and enough room to sit down. But, um, that was, uh, like <clears throat> one of the, one of those two girls like falls into the club and they start, you know, uh, easing her in sort of as the audience and sort of being like, okay, here's the kind of things that you're going to need. Here's what you can do on a budget because that's what we're on. And um, here's how I feel like here's as, how pitch as, a as it, it's important, <laughs> right? Like as the show went on, it's like there was uh, more and more food happening. Really? Like, so like, like, like here's sort what, of the best you could do. Brendan, you're a, getting uh, dangerously close to saying K on T and K happen at the end know, of these, every. If these characters episode? are actually cooking though in their campsites, I think I could appreciate. Oh, all that right, more. all right. So are are they effort, in fact effort being put in? Yeah, they're like making a like neat like hot pot thing happening. There was uh, they they like transitioned from one dish to another dish uh, with what was in the thing there uh, in one of the episodes. That was pretty cool. Um, one aspect of it that I found hard to swallow was that one of the one of the club characters has this snaggle tooth, oh, no. except it's drawn on her face, even when her mouth is closed. Like her lip will go up and then it'll jag right at the end of it. And it's like, wow, that looks incredibly stupid all the time, <laughs> like just just all the time. <laughs> Oh no! But uh, they had cool little text conversations, and like one of the girls uses these cow moji, uh, which I guess are big out there when you've got all those characters to work with. And it was it was super cute and comfy, oh, so nice. I, I rather enjoyed it on the balance. All right, sounds recommended. All right, so I'll jump in next with uh, more March comes in like a lion. I feel like I've been talking about this show I forever. The ongoing saga. The ongoing saga. Okay, just a really quick refresher because I guess we haven't talked about this one in a while. Uh, lead character Ray Kiriyama is a professional shogi player at the age of like 15 or 16 or something. And uh, it's the story is really just about his him dealing with his difficult childhood, his emotions, and a whole bunch of people that spin around his orbit that he knows. Um, you know, I, I think I've said this the last time I was on, but if you were interested in anything I've been talking about thus far, it's just more of the same. I mean, March just continues its slow, methodical pace. It's exploring people's emotions via shogi or otherwise. 
Um, I, I enjoyed the fact that this season in particular gave some weight and background to way more characters than just Ray Kiriyama himself. He's a pretty, I think, distressed character. And so I think being with him all the time was a bit of a downer. But uh, having some other characters come into play and, and move the plot along in different ways was really interesting. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. I would definitely watch more of it. Um, if you were into Honey and Clover, I mean, this is this is it all over again, just this time with Shogi. Oh, wow. So, uh, so, so you'd watch more of it after two full seasons. It's a good sign. I would watch more of it. I mean, they're interesting people. They have interesting, complex emotions. And uh, I think some of it towards the end got a little melodramatic, but I do like it. It's beautifully animated. And I mean, Shaft is just on full tilt awesome with this show. So I do recommend it if you've been even remotely interested in anything I've been talking about for, I think, four cores now. So uh, give it a shot at this point, because it seems like season three is on hold. So you got a bunch of episodes to try. Nice. Very nice. Huh. I guess we'll go on back and to now, you, Brennan. The opposite of like long-running... Uh significant drama actually there is a uh there's a shogi episode of pop team epic huh uh, Was they, it uh <laughs> not in the slightest <laughs> they um uh i in many ways i consider the first episode of pop team epic to be its weakest uh and that's because like after that they sort of after, after they sort of introduce what the show is going to be like they start branching into different uh long-form parody and one of the ones is, and now, like, board game drama, except, like, stupid. <laughs> and <laughs> so, most oh, so, like, so like, they're being, uh, like, they're so being... So it's the... satirical, right? Like, it's making fun of a different, like, genre every time? Right, right. Oh. Um, like, uh, one of the other earlier ones that I remember was, like, this, uh, this weird shoujo-ish thing where the, this girl likes this guy, but then... It's, uh, suddenly their parents get married, so it's super weird. <laughs> um, let's. Oh, uh, speaking of shoujo, they they got this thing they do where at the end of every episode they have a preview for the next episode of a different show. It's well, it's the same show every time though. Like so, it's like but you never actually get to see those episodes. So it's like the Disgaea anime or and or game where every episode preview was for like a thing that never happened. Uh, Why would I'll you reference the Disgaea anime? <laughs> I'm sorry, I froze up. It was Why the first thing that came that to mind. Out of the trash. Stop. <laughs> put it back in there and put it on oh. the curb. Oh, okay. And, and it's uh, it's uh, it's the same anime. Actually, I, I keep forgetting this. Like it, the way that the show opens is with like a full like prologue and the full opening credits for this show that they keep coming back to only at the uh, the preview for the next episode <laughs> and. And that's actually a good segue into like the the pop team epic is sort of a, a show that rewards patience. Because at after like twelve minutes have passed watching the first episode, it restarts, and on the first the very first episode, there's no way to tell that anything is going to be different because it's that exact same sequence again, and then different people are voicing the main characters. That's pretty subtle. And they, there are other various subtle differences between the two, like, sections. Like, if you watch the, uh, any of the, the first halves of the one where they, like, the section starts out where they go to this French guy who works at one of their animation studios, he'll just start talking in French. 
and there's no subtitles. And then it does this little short animation segment where the main characters go to France and there's also no subtitles and they're all speaking in French. But then in the second set, they'll actually have subtitles on there. Hmm. Huh. I mean, that and seems like it's it, more of a choice of the, like a choice of the translators than the, the show itself. Or do you know, like, like there are Japanese... Japanese subtitles on the second oh, half as well. Okay. Okay. So it's intended that a, that a reader would actually get what's going on the second time through. Interesting. Right. Right. And then uh, typically it switches between two women voicing the girls in the first half and then like two male voice actors voicing the girls in the second half. <laughs> oh, and wow. I was, I Everything was, uh, about this show just keeps getting weirder. I was very happy to hear Norio Wakamoto on one of those segments. It was <laughs> oh amazing. my goodness. Oh no. <laughs> were his R's as impressive as always? Yes. Yes, yes. they were. All right, you may have just convinced me to give this show another shot. <laughs> Let's see, but uh, there's, there's like, like I may have said, there's tons of reference humor. Like, uh, I watched most of the show on Crunchyroll. I think I watched an episode on High Dive, and uh, a lot of the big references will actually be called out at the top of the screen. So, like, this is a reference to a Japanese car show. Hmm. This is a reference to Wacky Races. Uh, huh. And and stuff like that. So Crunchyroll's the way to go, because it sounds like they got the, uh, like the extra details you need. No, High Dive. Oh, oh High Dive, I'm sorry. Um, and yeah, the, the incorporation of stop action and, and, uh, or stop motion and live action into the shows was brilliant. Stop motion. Wow. Every time you say yeah. a new thing, it's like a whole new aspect to the show. This is what I mean. It's like, Brendan, are you sure you weren't high and watched like six different shows and merged them into your head to call them pop team epic? I hope not because, uh, if I get called in for work, <laughs> They uh they might fire me. Oh, oh well, that could be bad. Uh, we wouldn't want that, so we'll all have to watch this and just make sure that Brendan isn't insane. So, Brendan, do you actually recommend this? Because it doesn't really sound like you do, it, unless it you're crazy. It depends on who I'm talking to. So this, like, is, a, this is a niche product. Right. Some some people might think might appreciate it more than others. Like mm. I have talked to one person that like found it as fascinating as I did, but I know one of my other friends was like, "No, dude, no." <laughs> It's a very particular like, brand of humor. There's and there's a lot of there's a lot of chaff in it that you like. You're probably not going to find most of it funny, but the parts that are funny are pretty good. I think. Hmm. All right. Qualified recommendation. Yeah. Nice, Scott. I think that jumps us to you. Tell us, tell us all about the epic of the, the Grand epic. Crest. Grand Crest, Senki. So uh, I think I'm the only one following this one. I would say the. Like my my like you know one sentence thing would be surprisingly solid, actually. Uh, like things move very fast in this show. It feels kind of like we're watching um, like Ara, not Arslan. Uh, Lotus War, not Lotus War. The the battle. Uh, shoot, the Turkish Altair. one. Altair, thank you. It feels like I'm watching Altair again. Like with the speed things move, we'd be like, oh yeah, this episode like three different kingdoms attacked three other kingdoms and then they collapsed and everyone changed allegiances and like. You gotta kind of keep track of what's going on, but uh, it's it's not so fast you can't figure it out. But it feels like like a, like things happen very quickly. Uh, it looks great. Like I don't know, I I never really pay attention. I'm afraid to who's animating it, but it's you know top notch uh, visuals. Now it's obviously targeted at a male audience. Like it has the uh, hey our our main our main female characters like the less clothing they wear and the more powerful they are in battle kind of thing. 
or, or it seems that way, like no one wears realistic armor, but the characters are more than just pandering and you know, I'm coming to like them. So it's, it's, it's better than, than just, uh, than just pandering, I guess. Now the story does seem to, to meander a bit, like it's moving fast, but oftentimes it doesn't feel like our main character is gaining traction. Uh, but he and the other main characters, there's a good feeling of growth to them personally, uh, that sort of makes it all feel like it does matter. So I, I would check it out. Uh, so it's halfway through, uh, the second season, it's, it's continuing right on and things continue to look good. Uh, it has, I don't know, like, it feels a little bit like they're trying to capture some Game of Thrones like feel to it. Hmm. Um, you know, I um, I I'm not obviously not following the show, but Anime News Network has a little blurb because they follow this show episode by episode, and it stunned me because I thought it was like Record of Lotus War because it's called Record of Grandcrest. That was my thought, yeah. Yeah, and so like one of the blurbs was like so and so like is raped by or has sex with, and I was like, dang, Record of Lotus War gone get upped or whatever, like <laughs> rated R for restricted. I was actually just about to say, yeah, there's definitely some mature content. Uh, in the show, that's kind of where I'm going with the, the, yeah, the Game of Thrones sort of reference there. Uh, but I would say check it out. And Scott, you're only halfway through it, yeah? It's that's right. It's, it's I think it's halfway core. over. Yeah, it's definitely a double core, and the the second half, you know, the first episode of the second half is out now, and it, it continues to to be good. Uh, awesome. So, so why don't we try the exact opposite of that? <laughs> yeah, let's jump into Card Captor Sakura Clear Card. This is another double core. So we're about at episode 13 or 14 now. Now, before so, you quickly before you start, uh, Sue, I only watched the first four episodes of this, and I enjoyed what I saw, but at the same time, as someone who watched the original series, like, all however many episodes of that, not counting all of the 70. movies, yeah, I just, I felt like, this is nice, but I'm not getting anything new. I feel like if I had been watching, if I had watched this as a continuation of what I had seen before, maybe it would have played better for me. But frankly, I just kind of found myself drifting off during it. What about you guys? Did you guys find it more engaging? Hmm. So I was excited for this show. I won't lie. I remember really, really enjoying original CCS like you, Jan like you, Dan. Um, so this one, just really quick, is set four years after the original CCS, I believe, and it retcons movie two, the sealed card. So I think in the beginning, I really felt like this show was playing it a bit too safe. I mean, you want a show for your, like, five-year-old, this is it. It's so soft. It's so gentle. Every time, like, Sakura and her friends do something cute, like the little, like, flower petals oh, goodness, appear behind right. them. Oh, yeah. It's like, da-da-da-da, like, oh, okay. So everything is soft and gentle and adorable, almost a touch too adorable. I, like Almost uh, it's too cute. cute. Almost too cute. Yeah, it's a little little painful at times. I did find myself every once in a while being like, no one is this polite, guys. Bro, like, you, like, like Akiho's please. first visit to Sakura's house. Like, Oh, my gosh. Like, like, everything they do involves blushies My and teeth are rotting. Have you ever met middle schoolers? Yeah, it's like, come on now. And I think for me personally, what what kills me a little bit is that Sakura herself just feels so out of touch and a bit too naive in her own show. Like, this is card captor Sakura, guys. Like, 
it's 12, 13 episodes in, and it just feels like the plot is happening around her constantly rather than with her. Yeah, like, she doesn't take, like, initiative, I guess, to, to, to figure anything out. Like, there's a mystery going on that she's aware of, and she's, like, just sort of, like, ignores it and it lets it happen, like you're saying. Well, yeah, like, just to quickly go through it, the clear cards appear and she's catching them one by one. And I mean, episode one, right? I know it's been four years and then more than that because she was like nine when she first caught Wendy. But it's Gail. Like, that's the first card she catches. And I was like, oh, it's Wendy all over again, ep one. And she's like, Gail, huh? It takes her, then she catches like Aqua and like reflect. And then it keeps going. Eventually she gets flight, and I'm like, here it is. Sakura's going to get it. No, it takes like two more episodes before Sakura's just like zoning out and all of a sudden goes, wait a minute, Flight, Aqua, Gale. <gasps> this is just like last time. And I was like, darling. Wait, I thought I, I thought like Tomoyo picked up on it. Like, I don't even know if, if, if like Sakura got it. Well, she was, I think Tomoyo hints at it. She's like, Sakura... Doesn't this feel familiar? And then Sakura starts like putting two and two oh, okay, together, okay, like which yeah. cards are like which cards, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, this is exactly like last time." And you're like, "Sakura, darling, I figured that out in up two. Come on, girlfriend." <laughs> like you I appreciate are not the that. sharpest knife in the drawer, are you? Yeah, yeah, and like it's frustrating as someone who took so much initiative in original CCS and really was the star of her own show to kind of take this back seat and like. Just everyone around her. It, also, everyone around her totally knows the plot. I, yeah. I really want to throw in there. The clamp stigma is everywhere in this show. Like the whole everyone's like, hmm, it's your destiny. Yes, it's my destiny. You can't tell her. You know that, right? Yes. About the thing. Mm, about the thing. Yes. I won't <laughs> discuss the thing. And that's just going and going. And I'm like, clamp, clamp. Come on now. Like you, you need to get past this and you need to give Sakura like the initiative she needs, that agency she needs. To, to take on this mystery because it's just, it's a little too safe. It's a little too soft. And like, I'm not asking for a Madoka Magica, but I'm asking for Sakura to start commanding the show a bit more. And hopefully that comes through in the second half. And Scott, I'll let you comment some more. But I actually would give this one a pass until Scott and I can discuss it at the end of spring. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it is basically just like the it feels like just like the original in terms of i guess feel you're right like less agency like you were saying but you could probably just start watching this right at the end of original season you'd feel like yeah okay it's it, it doesn't feel like we left uh we went over how it seems too cute certainly uh and tomoyo tomoyo seems if anything even more invasive than before oh, like God, in terms yeah. of sakura's like personal life I am well, yeah, because girl. they're in like the 21st century. They have a she has a drone now that can fly around and take <laughs> pictures of Sakura. It's true. Like, Tamayo, this is like creep factor. Come we on need, now. We need to get you other hobbies or a girlfriend or something because yeah, this we is really not do. cool. I also want to say, just Scott, for your point about being able to watch it right after, you're absolutely correct. But I personally was infuriated by the retconning of movie two because. I really want them to be past the whole Shouton and Sakura are in love with each other and they're a couple. Like, the blushy blushies, I want to tell you I love you, but I can't thing. Like, I waited 70 episodes <laughs> and a movie to get there. I'm mad I'm waiting. Like, you retconned that and took it from me, and now I'm waiting again. You're waiting. I mean, I feel like they are, I'll say, farther along than they were in the show, but yeah, you're right. 
Uh, but yeah, Tomoyo's like Tomoyo's current hobby appears to be like use the vast economic resources of my, of my mother's zaibatsu to spy on my friend. Like you, you do need a different hobby. Uh, on the plus side, Caro's corner is back, baby. <laughs> like I am, I'm excited to have his little end of episode explanations of stuff. He does continue so, to be the best part of that show. Those are funny, uh, and I like him and Spinel like sort of uh, being being at odds with each other. So that part's solid. That's good. I think of Kiro. I think I texted you about this, Scott. I think Kiro <laughs> is like the drunken roommate that you need to have because you can't afford rent by yourself. <laughs> and he's just so obnoxious. Like, I have a tough time with him. I, I think like sometimes he's funny and I like when Spinel beats him at everything. But for everything else, he's just like so obnoxious. He's like, feed me a cupcake. And it's like, Listen, dude, you're in my purse and I'm surrounded by my friends. It's kind of hard for me to slide an entire cupcake into this purse. <laughs> Why don't you chill a bit? Could, could you maybe learn how to pack your own backpack? Like a little little baby backpack full of cupcakes? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I guess, Scott, are you also in the past boat or would you consider people should give this a try? I mean, I would say like if you liked Cardcaptor Sakura and you wanted more, this is more. Would I say watch it on its own? Hmm. I would probably also say let's let's wait till the end and see what we think. I guess I'll I'll go with that. See if it grows the beard. I mean, it it may never, but I mean, it might might have a more solid something going on. Let's see. And now for a thoroughly <sighs> not even remotely at all recommendation. It's Classicaloid season two. Dun -dun -dun -dun. Why, Scott? Because <sighs> I had to know. <laughs> now you know i don't know which if i had the you know the box review of classical aid season two I, i'm sort of split between it's over thank goodness or somehow even more insipid and pointless in the first season like, and you know what you you guys like guys who are, who are packaging it you can take those those are on me you put them right in the front uh like the premise of the show is was ex basically exhausted in the first season uh, and all that's left now is like a bunch of weirdos are living in a house with an exasperated landlord. So it's just, it's sort of like more like vignette focus. Like there's, there's even less overarching plot than there was in the first season, which is startling. If you've seen the first season, uh, there's much less Bach who's the only good part of the show. And he was like in, he was not in most of it this time. Uh, so disappointing and terrible. Uh, but on the, the only plus side, they got into some of the lesser known works of the various composers, even though they, you know, remixed them and they weren't as good. But I actually learned a few songs I hadn't heard of before. So I think that was a plus because, you know, the first season, you're all going to have your your ode to joys and your requiem masses and stuff. And now you've all right, we've made it through the the checklist of the big ones. Let's hit some of the, the lesser known pieces. So that was the only good part. Don't watch this show. Scott, was the hippo bit funny at all? The hippo bet was never, ever funny and was occasionally oh. depressing. <laughs> oh. Uh, and, there, and, actually, and then there was a scene where, like, he wants, there's this hippo that wants to become a human. Uh, and he, he has, like, a human brain or whatever. He thinks on the level of a human. And one episode, he takes some medicine or something that is supposed to turn him human. And he's, like, this hideous, like, like picture, uh, I don't know how to say it. Like, picture a paper doll with, like, hinges, like, like joints, the joints move. It's like the, but the whole arm is static, and he moves around like that for like a whole episode, and it's just horrifying. Huh. <laughs> it's granted, so bad. Granted, Why? everyone in the show thinks it's horrifying, and they try to put him in jail. 
but like why did we need this episode we did we we definitely didn't well thank goodness thank goodness and like way to waste wagner like as as a a character in a concept well oh, so bad so all right bad. is it i feel like this is some kind of cultural warfare like <laughs> cultural appropriation certainly i don't know like uh, they found a thing they found a thing they wanted to to make a show about and they borrowed just enough that nothing makes sense ah yes so let's um end on the i don't know that i'd call this the dark horse but it, it's a horse mm. of some kind <laughs> we'll call it we'll call it the, the wild horse the wild stallion wild of the that seems good yeah the, the wild stallion of the season which was darling in the franks now before you say gazentite no that's the actual title of the show franks with two x's franks hey, with two x's and the cap the the x's are capitalized i mean okay? it's no lost or age conflated wick sauce but it is a little weird to say <laughs> Yeah, it's, no, it's not that, thankfully. But hey, <laughs> hey, you know, we can't so, all be that good. So this is, right. com- this is coming <laughs> This is coming to us from Trigger, and I've kind of been waiting, like, I, I, hate, I hate to think this way, but at the same time, I've kind of been waiting for Trigger to make a dud, and from what I saw in the very beginning of this show, I worried that it might be this one, just because the premise of, you know, teenagers fighting in giant robots and, you know uninhibited girl shows up in in random schmuck's life seemed like by far their most pedestrian offering so far and i wasn't able to get past the that first like initial episode or two what did you guys who followed through the rest of it think so i would say the show is cool like it looks neat but it's unfocused we're we're halfway through the show and I don't really feel like I know where we're going. And, like, not in a good way. Like, oh, I'm full of wonder and what could happen. It's more like I feel kind of lost and unsure. Mm. Uh, the world is interesting. And they are appropriately sparing and giving us, like, more details about it. Like, that part's being pretty well done. The fights look great. Like, Trigger, it continues to be high-quality animation, like, breaking ground and making things look awesome and fluid. Uh, but a lot of the show is actually about character drama, and I would say that that varies pretty heavily. Some of it's pretty good, and some of it isn't. Uh, and I think one of the the bigger problems is the the main two characters. Uh, theirs is some of the not good stuff. Like I am, let me just say, I am so tired of the childhood promise anime. You gotta find some other way for characters to get along when they're older. Not everyone met their sweetheart when they were five years old. All right. Like, come it's on. It's time to pack it in. <laughs> like, I know. But, uh, so yeah, mixed. What do you think, Sue? All right. So for me, first of all, just to, to let it out, uh, this show is riddled with sexual imagery and metaphor. Mm. I mean, really, the crux behind the Franks is sexual in nature. The way the pilots are positioned is extremely sexual in nature. Um, what I wrote to myself was this show is less satire and strong focus than Kill a Kill and has significantly less polish than Kisniver. So it sits somewhere in that weird in-between. I, like Scott, am intrigued by the mystery of the world, but I too cannot guess where we're going. And I don't even know that when we finally reveal it, I'm going to care a ton I care about some of these characters. I have three. I have two that are my OTP and one that is my wild card that I hope they survive. Everybody else is kind of a whatever for me. <laughs> like, I know all the characters are probably not going to make it. 
And I'm curious to see how much I care when some of them start going. I think really the the problem behind this show in general is that, and I feel like this probably merits its own podcast, but just to toss it out there, I feel like Trigger is very immature about this topic. And Scott, I don't know if you kind of agree with this. I mean, if you're going to use sex, sexual imagery, sexual metaphor, I mean, you got to be... Either you're a, you're an absolute satire and you're going for the boob fest and, and the Blu-ray moment, as I like to call it, or you're trying to discuss the topic metaphorically in a way that intrigues me, and the show is not nailing that. It feels it, it probably potentially exactly what it is, a bunch of like immature men sitting around like snickering to each other as they toss like sexual innuendo around. Like Scott, I can't stand the lead characters. They're they're just not interesting. They're obnoxiously OP. Uh, and they, they don't give the other characters a moment to shine. And I think Trigger just is, is a. They wanted something so much more overinflated than either they were capable of writing or really had a focus and knew what they wanted to write. So I want to see it through to the end. I don't know that I'll give it the full blown dud stamp, Dan, but this is not the highlight of their work. Mm. I I think they definitely nailed the action and the animation and some of the world building is very intriguing, but like every time you can tell they're ripping off pieces of Kisniver, I mean they somebody read Lois Lowry's The Giver because it's all over this show. And they don't handle their sexual content, sexual imagery, sexual theme with maturity and with consistency, just to throw it out. It's not consistent. In the way yeah, it's like it seems like we, we had the the sort of the shock, kind of so like you know the shocking moments in the first handful of episodes, and then it kind of just all right, let's put that on the back burner for a while, I guess. Like really, you're gonna okay? I guess we could pull the bait and switch here, but it doesn't it doesn't feel right for what you're trying to do with the show? Right, it's not the strongest. So I'm I'm gonna be interested to see where we end up by the end, but it's not the like page turner that some of their other pieces were so not the strongest showing i'd actually hold off on this one i would wait until i Mm. you know if you value our opinion until we give you kind of a hey this turned out good but it's uh it's something you may want to wait on i suggest waiting on let's go with that i would also agree uh on waiting on the show it's it's unclear if if the characters are are gonna really get the development they need to be interesting i guess trigger don't kill my otp (laughs) all right uh well i guess yeah we're close to wrapping up here um before we forget brendan do you have anything else to add brendan Brendan. oh uh sorry i was thinking about hell shake yano Okay, well, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening with us. We hope you uh, pick up some shows that you didn't know about or now are intrigued about, and we hope you stay far, far, far away from Classical Lloyds. Don't do it. All right, well, tune in next time. This is a podcast by the Con Artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.